0: This episode is sponsored by Hum Nutrition, a leading vitamin brand on the forefront of wellness. Hum is best known for flatter me, a digestive enzyme that debloats fast and went viral on TikTok. Rooted in science and backed by clinical research, Hum offers clean and targeted formulas that help you reach your wellness goals. From gut and skin health to vaginal and hormonal balance, Hum has specific solutions that work for you. Hum Nutrition's bestseller, Flatter Me, is the ultimate de-bloating hack. It's so easy for you. All you have to do is take one small capsule before a meal, and it helps you enjoy all of your favorite foods without the bloating aftermath. Flatter Me is clinically tested to de-bloat fast and works after only one use. Head to humnutrition.com. That is HUM Nutrition.com and get forty percent off your first order with code Garage. Reach your wellness goals and head to humnutrition dot com. That is HUM dot com today as this offer expires soon. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who wants to rock and roll all night and part of every day. Here is the captain.
1: Snoochie Boochies, brother Gucci's. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a
0: friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring Bulldog Amber Ale by the good folks over Half Pints Brewing Company, British Crystal Malts give this beer its distinctly deep amber body and nutty aroma. Like its namesake, Bulldog Amber Ale is tough on the exterior with a soft disposition. So it's a great introduction to our friends and their beers over half pints. Garage grade three and a half bottle caps out of five. And here's some of our friends that helped us fill up the fridge this week. First up. A big shout-out to Matt in Ovid, Michigan.
1: And I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but a big we like your jib to Mike
0: from Tigard, Oregon. Both Matt and Mike helped us fill up the fridge this week. They went to TrueCrimeGarage.com, clicked on the Donate button, and that is why we are shouting them out and we thank you. And that's why we love you.
1: B-E-E-R-U-N, Beer Run. Make sure you go and sign up on our mailing list. And if you're not following us on YouTube will follow us there as well and that is enough of the business.
0: All right everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. 2016 the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in Manitoba, Saskatchewan British Columbia decided it was time to revisit a cold, cold case the 1986 homicide that rattled the town of Thompson and haunted its inhabitants ever since the specter of the dead 15 year old girl cast a pall over the whole place and there was nothing new so the RCMP took on a novel approach on October 16th 2016 30 years after the murder the RCMP MB twitter feed halted its usual updates and instead tweeted the following devastating messages hello I am Carrie Ann Brown I was raped beaten and murdered 30 years ago today Can you help find my killer? What you did to me that night destroyed my family and friends. I didn't do anything wrong. I was a happy 15 year old girl. There's silence. But someone knows. Come forward. Stop being cowards. How were you able to keep what you did to me hidden? I want to talk about the day I was killed. I want people to know what happened to me. I want the killer caught. My house at 6 Red River Road in Thompson was simple, but I loved it. My dad and brother Trevor still live there today. I loved hockey, and the Penguins were my favorite team. Mario Lemieux was so great. How could you not love them? To this day, my friends remember my sense of humor. I had a great laugh. And nothing was funnier than playing pranks. Truth is, I was a very normal 15-year-old girl. Athletic, well-liked, cheerful, and compassionate. I didn't have any enemies. Everyone has their quirks. Bridges were mine. I don't know why, but I hated them. And was always nervous crossing over one. Okay, for people that don't know my story my last day alive was 30 years ago today it was 1986 and it was a Thursday I woke up with Coco the bear I had so many plush animals but Coco was the one I couldn't go without school that day was okay I had so many friends that going to school at R.D. Parker Collegiate was actually fun I loved gym class I was only 5 foot 1 inch, 110 pounds, but fast and feisty. I was a great runner and could easily beat my brothers. First two classes that day were back to back typing, then math and English. I couldn't wait for gym at the end of that day. FYI, in 1986, I was still learning to type on a giant typewriter, not fun. I could not wait for lunch. It was a normal day, I had a doctor's appointment that afternoon, but otherwise everything else was completely ordinary. I had been having headaches, just wasn't feeling well, so I left school for a bit, for a doctor's appointment. I went home after school, didn't have a job, but my parents gave me $10 a week for allowance. I don't know what it was that afternoon, being 15 I guess, but I was a little upset and a bit anxious after my appointment. We ate supper together as a family that night. My last night alive. I'm so thankful for that. I know they are too. We ate roast beef that night, but my favorite meal was pepperoni and mushroom pizza from Santa Maria. I remember my brothers fighting over the donuts for dessert and being worried I wouldn't get one. There was a party that night, and my mom and dad said I could stay at my girlfriend's house for a sleepover. Before the party, my girlfriend came over and we walked to Thompson Billiards. I had never walked anywhere in town alone. It was a warm night with no snow, but I wore the new dark jacket my family gave me for my birthday anyway. We left Thompson Billiards and walked over to 41 Cooper Road, which wasn't very far. We only stayed on Cooper Road for a few minutes. Then we walked to the party at my friend's house at 11 Trout Avenue. I know what you're thinking. Yes, some of us were drinking. My friend's parents were home though, and they were supervising. It was so much fun. I had really great friends, and we were having an awesome time laughing, listening to music and hanging out. Then a friend showed up. We didn't get along anymore. It sucked. I had been having such a good time too. We chatted for a while. It was formal and polite. It didn't help. My night was ruined. I wanted to leave, so my girlfriend and I decided to go for a walk and talk. We got to the back door when my friend decided she better go downstairs to tell our friends where we were going. I stayed standing there near the back door to wait for her. My friend's mom was the only other person around. I went outside to wait. That's when it happened. I was strong and put up a fight, but it wasn't enough. This is the unsolved case of Carrie Brown. And this is True Crime Garage. In 1986, Carrie Ann Brown was, just as you heard, a normal 15-year-old girl living in the Great White North. Carrie was born in Berks Falls, Ontario, on August 19, 1971. In 86, she lived in her family's house on Red River Drive in the town of Thompson. Carrie's parents are Jim and Ann Brown, and she has two older brothers, Trevor and her half-brother Ian, From his mother's first marriage. Jim had a job at the Inco Mine and worked at Thompson General Hospital as a medical transcriptionist. The town of Thompson is a mining town named after the family that owned the mine. The town itself had only been around since 1956, and although it had just about 12,000 residents, it was known as the hub of the north because it was the only place in the area with access to healthcare facilities shopping and other services
1: tens of thousands of outsiders came to the town
0: yearly it was a tight knit community with residents who looked out for each other it was also a very outdoorsy area with hunters and campers and fishermen comprising much of much of the population those who didn't work in the mine of course for teenagers it was kind of a boring town and in typical teen fashion they had to come up with inventive ways to find excitement having parties, drinking a little bit, and dating.
1: As we learned in the trailer, Carrie was a fun-loving girl
0: that was athletic. She loved gym class, Captain, and she loved ice hockey. She was just at that age where she was between being a girl and being a woman. She still loved her stuffed bear, Coco, but she also had recently split up with a boyfriend. More on that in a minute. Carrie's parents had some troubles in that Carrie's mom and brother Trevor both suffered from retinitis pigmentosa. And by the time our story takes place, Anne was blind. Carrie herself had been having headaches, but it does not seem that she suffered from the same affliction.
1: Let's get to the night in
0: question. So this is going to be October 16th, Captain, and this is a Thursday. Now, as we heard in today's trailer, Carrie had a normal school day minus the doctor's appointment. That would have been outside of the normal day for her. She got out of school about 3:30. Carrie and her dad picked up a couple of donuts as they were out buying her a winter coat. They had dinner together as a family and then there was a kerfuffle over the donuts and Carrie was a little upset but then she rallied and she was going to hang out with friends anyway so she kind of got over it. There was a party at Carrie's friend's house Doug Crocus. So Doug is a classmate, a schoolmate of Carrie's. He is one year older Mm -hmm. than her and her two best friends, Rhonda and Nicole will be joining her at this teenage gathering. Before the party, Rhonda who lived nearby came over to Carrie's house to pick her up. Carrie was wearing a pink outfit with her favorite Pittsburgh Penguins jacket. Around 7 PM that night, They wander to the billiards place, then another friend's house, and then to Doug's. Doug lives at 11 Trout Avenue. So from my understanding here, Captain, Doug's house is quite a ways away from Carrie's house. From my understanding, they walk there in a rather large group of friends. So they're walking there, it's the three of them, and then more kids meet up with them along the way. Now we have this big pack of teenagers all making their way to Doug's place. Right. They get there around nine 30, maybe 10 at the latest. Now, Nicole lived on the other side of town from Carrie and Rhonda, but just two blocks away from Doug's house. The neighborhood is the Westwood neighborhood, and it is described as a middle-class residential area. This gathering was later described by Doug on the, somebody knows something podcast, which covered this case extensively in season five. It was a group of about 25 kids who knew each other pretty well, ranging in age from 15 to 18. Some were legal to drink and some weren't like Carrie and her girlfriends. They were in the younger batch of kids, but there was some beer there. Doug's mom was home and was on board with all of this. And according to Doug, although kids were coming and going a bit throughout the evening, it was not like a raging party. This was kind of a, kind of a low key thing. And he says that he knew every single person that came to his house that night. There were no strangers. There were no out of towners. There were no creeps that has been reported to been at this party. Well,
1: this, this happens all the time in high school. Somebody tells you, Hey, old Doug is having a party. Whether or not you're invited, you probably know somebody that's invited you don't feel intimidated to just walk into a party. You're probably going to know somebody. 99% of the people there are going to be from your high school.
0: Well, and when you're growing up in an area that doesn't have a whole lot to do or a whole lot of excitement for teenagers, and frankly, there's many places like that. As we said, they kind of have to create their own excitement. And as you said, it's not so much, hey, I was invited to this party, but if you tag along with somebody that was, you're in the door.
1: Yeah. Or in my high school, sometimes people would just pass out flyers to somebody's <laughs> house. We got a flyer. Hey, did you get the flyer? You're yeah, invited.
0: Sometimes that can go terribly wrong.
1: Or sometimes terribly wrong. From right.
0: my understanding, Captain, it's this is a very typical party. Now, we said that this was a Thursday, but we should point out that there was no school scheduled for that Friday. So it makes sense that Doug right. is having this party. He says it's just a group of high school friends all hanging out in Doug's basement. They're playing music. They're talking. They're eating snacks, all pretty much normal stuff.
1: And there's parents
0: there. His mother is there. She doesn't have everybody under a microscope, but according to her and according to Doug later, they both said that she was somewhat supervising or the chaperone of this party, if you will.
1: Yeah. The the visual I get is Eric Foreman's basement. Right. Right. And everybody's having a party in Eric Foreman's basement.
0: The way that this evening is going about, everybody's just, I mean, everybody's having a great time. That's what's always been reported. Everybody was having a great time until Carrie, her ex-boyfriend, remember she just broke up a few days prior. His name is Chuck. And he shows up to the party and he's not alone. He's actually with a previous girlfriend Of his somebody that he dated before Carrie, Carrie knew that Chuck had gotten back with his ex-girlfriend. So there was nothing like confrontational about Chuck being there and Carrie being there. But Carrie did say that she felt awkward and uncomfortable. This is what she expressed to her friends. And it was probably just because the breakup was pretty recent. Well, way to go. Butt faced Chuck showing up
1: with your ex girlfriend, ruining the party.
0: Now, we read the tweet from the RCMP in today's trailer that said Carrie became upset because she didn't want to be there when her ex boyfriend was there. And we get it. Everyone's been in that position. No matter what age you are, It's it can be awkward.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, Carrie's sitting there having a good time at the party, her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend walks in with his ex-girlfriend. And the first thing you're thinking is
0: awkward. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, 15 year old kids. And this all remember how important all of this stuff seemed when we were 15. And then you grow up and realize it's not important at all. But Carrie decides, Hey, maybe it's time to leave. And they have a curfew anyway. She's going to stay the night at her friend's house, but her friend has a curfew and Carrie has a curfew that even when staying at a friend's house that she needs to observe. She's only 15. Now, it doesn't sound like Carrie would be the type to leave a party on her own. You heard in the tweets saying she had never walked anywhere alone at night. But remember, Nicole, her friend, lived near Doug's house and Carrie was planning on sleeping over at Nicole's. Now, looking at Google Maps for context shows us that Doug didn't live in the middle of nowhere. In fact, we would describe his neighborhood as thickly settled residential area with blocks and blocks of houses surrounding it.
1: Which makes sense on why these kids gathered in a group and walked to his house.
0: Correct, and this is not a situation... Where we have this girl who has a little to drink, and then she stumbles out the door into the frozen tundra, never to be seen again. This is an area that would be full of cars and houses, you know, but all but although by this point we're talking about we're getting close to to the midnight hour, so maybe maybe a little sleepy at this point uh the the town anyway,
1: well, and we have to remember the date because. I think we're so used to just things being open 24 seven and this is in the eighties, but back in the nineties, things would close down about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock
0: Carrie and her friend, Nicole end up going upstairs. Remember they're getting ready to leave. And presumably at this point, they're talking over what their options are and they don't want to do this in front of the other high schoolers. Carrie is voting that they leave. So, The two decide that they're going to leave. They walk out of Doug's house when Nicole realizes that she had forgotten her purse. So they turned around and walked back to his house. Carrie is waiting upstairs. She did not want to go back down into the basement where all the kids were. The tweets indicate that Doug's mom was there as well, like we said earlier. Now, Nicole ran into her ex, so a different kid on the stairs. They have a conversation. Sounds like he wanted to get back together or something like that, but it's a lengthy conversation that Nicole would later say lasted for about 10 minutes or so. Nicole could see Carrie at the top of the steps during portions of this conversation, but at some point her friend Carrie stepped away so she could no longer see her and she's continuing on this conversation.
1: Yeah, but we've all been there, you know, you're at that party it's time to go your friend runs into her ex they're having a conversation so you keep making your presence known like hey it's time to leave let's let's get going and then eventually eventually carrie stops making her presence known to nicole
0: yeah maybe she wants to give a little privacy for their conversation we don't know it's hard to say but while she's upstairs doug the host he recalls Seeing Carrie upstairs and he tells her, hey, don't, you probably shouldn't leave on your own. It's late. You should wait for Nicole. Carrie then asked Doug to go get Nicole. So he went back down to the basement. Nicole then goes upstairs a few minutes. We're talking just a few minutes later. And by this point, it had started to snow outside and Carrie was gone. Nicole could see footprints in the snow leaving doug's house and the footprints they stopped at the end of the driveway at the road and there of course were tire tracks on the road
1: well this is difficult too because you have these kids going in and out of this house but mainly using the basement but i remember being at parties like this when i was in high school and there would be a little bit of a crowd outside maybe coming into the party or leaving the party or Trying to make plans on what is next.
0: Right. The other thing I remember, there would usually be some kind of pointless, silly argument, some drama, and like, Always and drama. one person storms off into the night on foot alone.
1: Yeah. Weirdly, that happened at almost every party I went to.
0: So, Nicole, she can't find her friend. She decides, all right, I'm going to go outside, start walking, and I should encounter Carrie on my way back to my house, which does not happen.
1: So then she, well, let me state the obvious though, too, about these parties is Carrie and her friends. Yes, they're 15, but, but Doug is older. So a lot of these people going to this party are not showing up on foot. They're driving their
0: vehicles. Nicole turns around and she doubles back to Doug's a couple of times. She's, not just walking this route repeatedly, but she's also scouring the area, essentially looking for her friend and she finds nothing on several trips. At some point she gets worried and frightened for her friend. She starts crying and she misses her curfew. So she doesn't make it home until about an hour late, which would be 1am. And her mom would later say that she saw her daughter, Nicole throwing up. And I don't know if she drank too much or if this was a combination of drinking and and being upset about her friend. Um, So it sounds like her and her mom have a little bit of an argument about Nicole drinking at the party. But from all the reports I've seen, this is where things start getting really weird. Because we're only talking about a few minutes that Carrie would have been outside by herself. Somehow she vanishes during that time. And Nicole makes it back to her house. She's late, as we said, because she spent some time looking for her friend. The reports state that Nicole's mom was not aware that Carrie was going to be sleeping over that night. So Nicole, of course, she feels incredibly guilty about all of this now. In fact, she says that she went through years and years and years of therapy to try to cope with this in some form or fashion. But Right. She stops looking for Carrie that night and then she goes to bed and sleeps in the next day. She likely, just like any other kid would, she likely went to bed thinking that Carrie either just decided to go home or get a ride home somehow or that Carrie would turn up. Well, if we're going to
1: question Nicole's, the amount of alcohol that Nicole might have uh consumed we have to question the same thing when it comes to Carrie so we know that Carrie was upstairs then she leaves or we're assuming she leaves the party and then we have this track of footprints that lead to the end of the driveway and now we got some tire marks this is not a good situation
0: well and we also have to point out something here and keep this in mind as we're going through the events here you know one of the benefits of constant connectivity that we currently have today that we forget about that when, especially when we're complaining about cell phones and cell phone usage by younger people these days, but today Carrie's friends would be able to see on snap map, you know, exactly where their friend was and maybe she could have been found or even saved that night. But we're talking about 1986, so that was not an option. Yeah,
1: or, or Carrie if she felt like, "Hey, it's time to go." Nicole, let's say Carrie let's say Carrie thought that Nicole was being a little rude by talking to her ex a little bit too long. Maybe there'd be some text messages sent to her friend, "Hey, it's time to go," or "Hey, I'm going to just take off walking and and I'll eventually meet up with you." But obviously, they didn't have that technology to stay in contact, and then one of them disappears.
0: Have you ever thought about why your wireless bill is so damn expensive? It's all just radio waves, and how much can a radio wave really cost? Seems like big wireless got together and decided $100 a month. I think they'll buy it. What choice do they have? Now, thanks to Mint Mobile, you do have a choice. For a limited time, all phone plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. I made the switch. I'm enjoying it. The secret is in the sauce over at Mint Mobile. 5G for free, no extra overhead, flexible plan options, your unlocked device and current phone number are always welcome at Mint Mobile. I made the switch. I love it. You should do the same. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. And customize your very own luxurious estate island Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: All right, we are back to the windows to the walls. Cheers, everybody. Cheers to you, Colonel.
0: Cheers to everybody out there in listener land. In the morning on that Friday, there was no school. That's, I mean, praise the Lord. That's the best Thursday you can have when you're a kid. No school on Friday. Carrie's brother, Trevor, had been drinking at his buddy Jerry's house the night before. And he recalls that on Friday, Friday morning, Carrie's friends started calling looking for her. So at first, Carrie's family, Trevor, her brother and in the family, the Brown family, they don't really think anything of this, right? I mean, Carrie's a typical 15-year-old teenager, but they get worried when Nicole, when her friend Nicole calls, because that's completely different. Remember, she was supposed to be staying there The night before Nicole calls the house. This is sometime after lunch on that Friday. Nicole had to tell them that she lost Carrie the night before lost track of her. She was devastated when they in return, tell her Carrie never came home last night.
1: This would be very difficult. And like you said, I mean, Nicole carries friend has struggled with this. Heck there's friends of mine that I've gotten arguments with and just never got over the argument, never became close friends again but this is a whole nother level. You were with your friend. You went to the party with your friend. You feel somehow responsible for her leaving by herself. And then, like you said, she went back and forth between her house and Doug's house, the party looking for her friend. And then at some point has to just come back home and go, I I, I give up. And when she doesn't show up that night, And then I'm sure Nicole called some other people first. Hey, did you, have you seen Carrie? It'd be devastating to have to call Carrie's family.
0: Carrie's brother, Trevor, discussed this very situation with the Thompson Citizen newspaper and said, when Nicole called looking for Carrie, they, meaning his family, realized no one knew where Carrie was. She made some phone calls and then she called us back and said, Carrie's lost. We don't know where Carrie is. It was at that point that my parents called the cops, let them know what was going on. They came over, got a picture of Carrie. They created a flyer rather quickly. And he says within a couple of hours, they had a bunch of flyers made and then they all started distributing them across the town of Thompson. He says, I was at home answering the phone, talking to people that were calling. Once people had started learning that she was missing and that we were looking for her, people wanted to help look for Carrie, and so they did. Lots of people were out looking for her all over the city, but no one found her that day, and he goes on to say that we, the Carrie's family, the Brown family, they didn't sleep that
1: night. Well, you remember these parties when you were a kid, and it's like maybe at maximum capacity there was 30 kids there, but throughout the night, there could have been 60, 70 different kids that show up. Like we said, they show up in little groves, little packs, and then leave at different times. So there's a lot of people that you can question that were there that night, there at the time that Carrie was there. And it's it's also hard to remember when people left. So if somebody says, hey, I left at 10 o'clock, Most of the time you just have to believe them because you're not going to remember every single detail of every single individual that was there at that party.
0: Well, and when the family becomes alarmed that they don't know where Carrie is, this is one thing that I I find to be interesting here. They called one of their phone calls amongst dozens of trying to track down their daughter was to the local taxi company This to see if Carrie had gotten into a car to, you know, take a ride to to try attempt to get home or go elsewhere. This makes sense to do as a parent, especially after you're being told the story from Nicole that, hey, you know, it looked like Carrie decided to split and got tired of waiting around for me. And so this call makes sense. However, none of the calls that the taxi company had received from the night before, none of them matched up with with where Carrie would have been um, yeah, picking her the up location
1: from, of correct. location of Doug's party.
0: So this didn't seem like uh, a, a great option that what is interesting though, captain, there was a call to another area of town and just to double check everything. Carrie's father, Jim actually drove to the, the pickup and drop off location of that call and said that he, didn't recognize anything one and two didn't have any reason to connect it back to his daughter
1: well again the, this is a this is a difficult situation because it's not just the people that were at the party it's people that drove to the party heck i remember being at some of these parties in high school where guys would drive up and maybe you'd go out to your buddy's truck and you'd talk for a little bit and then they would leave they they wouldn't even come into the party so there's other individuals she's 15 A 17 year old that drives by and goes, she's leaving by herself. Hey, Carrie, do you need a ride? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Maybe she decides, oh, somebody's going to give me a ride. I'll go back to my house instead of going to Nicole's house. But we don't know if she got into a vehicle and if she did. Who was the driver or who else was in
0: the vehicle? Well, and so to break things down a little bit here, we have the party that took place on Thursday. Carrie's father, Jim, reported her missing around 4 p.m. Central Time on Friday, October 17th. Now, we're going to fast forward to the following day on Saturday. This is Saturday afternoon around two ten p.m. We have a woman named Donna Kovic and her friend Joanne. They're out on their usual weekend horseback ride. They were making their way along a muddy road through a wooded area just north of the Burntwood River. Their horses at some point started to act skittish. And then suddenly the two women saw a body on the ground. This is from... A CBC news article by Bryce Hoy that says, quote, they saw Carrie's body lying on a jacket with one hand up and one down. She was dressed in a pink and black leopard print outfit and white socks, Kovic said. You could see the face was smashed and beaten. She could also tell that the arm that was up in the air was broken. Okay, so. I want to take a second here to comment on some things that people familiar with the case are probably asking themselves right now or thinking and trying to recall. There were a lot of rumors and even some reports that state that Carrie was found nude. Um, that, according to the women that found her, Donna and Joanne, is not the case. It's just simply a, a rumor that they not true. It's not true, number one. And number two, they go on to publicly describe the outfit that she was found in. The police have been a little tight-lipped about some of the details of this case. But again, we get a description of the clothing that they saw on Carrie that day when they found her.
1: I'm assuming that that description is the same clothes that she went to the party in.
0: I don't have any reason to to assume otherwise. Right. Carrie had been beaten to death about the face and head with branches broken off nearby trees. Police found the branches with blood on them at the scene. So on Saturday around three, you know, they make this terrible discovery a little after 2 PM. The Brown family, they'll be notified right around three o'clock. Uh, but this is not by the police. It's actually by two teenagers who knew Trevor they told the family that the cops had found a body out by the horse stables. And at the same time, you know, this wasn't police dropping the ball here. They just hadn't got to the Brown family yet, because as we will see, as these two teenagers are telling Trevor what the rumor is or what they had seen or heard, the phone rings and this is the police asking Jim and his family to come to the hospital because they're going to have to ID a body.
1: Do we know how far these horse stables are from Doug's house where the party took place Thursday night?
0: Yeah, from my understanding, it's like a two to three-minute walk.
1: Yeah, so that makes it even more difficult because we have these footprints that Nicole claims she saw that lead to basically tire tracks. Did somebody pick Carrie up in a vehicle, or did she walk? to this location or was she led to this location
0: well and staying on the the body discovery here too this is this is one of those we get this in every story where there's just one of these weird kind of random heartbreaking moments here and this is when so trevor remember he knows the two teenagers that showed up at his house and that are telling him and his family hey the police found a body down by the horse stables So his dad and mom are going to go to the hospital because they got a call from the police to come and identify a body. Well, Trevor does not want to wait. He, he can't, he can't help himself. He wants to find his sister. He goes with the two teenagers back to the location where they heard a body was found and the police, of course, they're still there and they've got everything roped off and they would not let Trevor into the site, obviously. So Trevor right. is talking with one of the ladies that found Carrie's body, who was still there. And he's asking her questions. He he said, was the person was the body that you found wearing a penguins jacket? Remember she, we know that she had a favorite hockey Pittsburgh penguins jacket that she was wearing that night when she left the house and arrived at the party. Donna, One of the women who was on horseback that found the body says, no, there was no penguins jacket. And then Trevor, her brother asked Donna was the, the body you found was, was the female blonde. Donna told Trevor, no. And so Trevor Hmm. carries brother goes, oh, great. Thank God. It's not her. It's not my sister. But unfortunately he's wrong because a couple of things, a couple of the details that we get from the women that found the body Carrie was lying on top of the penguins jacket. So they did not see the jacket. It was there. It was found at the scene, but they did not witness the jacket. And then you heard the injuries that we described very briefly. There carries blonde hair no longer appeared to be blonde. It appeared to be brownish black because it was saturated with blood. So he, Trevor goes from this moment of heart, just, Pure heartbreak to relief of thank God it's not my sister. Then to a short time later finding out that no, it was it was your sister.
1: And then you gotta think too these these two ladies on horseback. Once you see the body, how, how much are you looking at that body for detail? At that point, you go, it is a body. We need to call law enforcement. It's not on them to have every single detail about this victim.
0: No, and and they're they're answering these questions the best that they can, uh, given what they they saw in the brief period of time that they saw it. Now, you know, the family, her family, went to the hospital as we said. Her father Jim is the only one that went to the morgue, but later he said he knew even before he went to the hospital that it would be Carrie that that they had found when Jim viewed the body. He said that Carrie had blood coming out of her ears. An autopsy would determine that she had multiple fractures to her skull, jaw, neck, and chest. Media described her death as due to massive head injury caused by vicious, powerful blows indicative of rage and loss of control, and she had been raped. The time of death was believed to be between midnight and 1 a.m., this estimate, this time of death estimate, though, comes from the police. I've not been able to view the report to confirm that that's what it says in the the report. But this is an item that they have released to the public, if you will. The police say that the time of death was between midnight and one a.m. With the amount of
1: vicious blows, this is a horrible scene. It almost, to me, leans towards somebody in a complete and utter rage. Or possibly multiple attackers.
0: Yes. And like we said, in all likelihood, it looks like the murder weapon was found at the scene. And there's several murder weapons, these branches that they found that still had blood on them. Right. At the hospital, of course, the RCMP personnel assured the family that they were going to do everything possible to find out who did this to their daughter, to their sister. Now. Trevor, keep in mind, he's only 16 years old at the time. He's Carrie's older brother, just one year older than than Carrie. But still to this day, Trevor has been the driving force behind the decades-long push to keep his sister's case in the media. He says that the murder literally destroyed his family. He says that his father became withdrawn and dysfunctional. And his mother was depressed until the very end. She she eventually died of cancer. But he says she never got through this. She died deeply depressed. And that would have been 16 years after Carrie was killed that she she lived in that deep depression.
1: Oh, I think also sometimes with these cases, her mom's grief and her mom's stress might have caused her illness. And I have so much respect for Carrie's brother and Carrie's friend, Nicole, with the amount of time and effort, like you've said, that they try to keep this in the spotlight. It's not solved. You know, spoiler alert, it's not solved. And this family wants answers.
0: And of course, Captain Carrie's friends were deeply impacted too. The Citizen newspaper says, Uh, did an interview with her friend, Nicole, who says I have relived that night for 30 years. It doesn't get easier as they say, it just gets different. I remember it vividly as the images flash through my head at lightning speed. I see myself Mm -hmm. sitting in the basement with her on my lap, standing outside and feeling the snowflakes hitting my face, finding her gone minutes later and walking the streets, calling her name crying and wanting desperately to find her and nothing walking the streets, putting up posters and going door to door the next day being dragged home because a body was found hearing the phone ring and my mom saying no and begin to cry. So that's, she's kind of flashing through her memories of, of that night and the following day, her, this is her friend, Nicole, that we, We've talked so much about already.
1: Well, and you also wonder as far as her friends go and her family goes, especially the brother, like you said, he's sixteen, but this was a party of a bunch of high school kids. You would think that maybe there'd there'd be somebody talking or some rumors. And so, yeah, maybe the the cops are gonna solve this case, but maybe there's gonna be some rumors and some leads that that he can follow or or her friend Nicole could follow themselves.
0: The general consensus in the town of Thompson, as iterated by the mother of a classmate of Carrie's was, was quote, that sort of thing happens in the big cities, but not in Thompson. The town had its share of crime, of course, but they were generally of the drunken disorderly variety and also petty crimes like theft, burglary. And of course they had some drugs and so on, but not the brutal beating death of a quiet 15 year old girl.
1: One of my first questions is, as as law enforcement if I was working this case is what drugs and alcohol were at this party? Was it just beer? Was there some type of booze? Was there heavier drugs at the at this party?
0: All reports are that they had some beer there. And we need to keep in mind too it's a different time, it's a it's a very different location than where we live. There were persons that were 15 to 18 years old. So the 18-year-olds could legally drink. Well, with
1: such a short and quick timeline, Carrie and her friend Nicole go to this party with a group of teens. They're at the party for a time period. Carrie runs into her ex-boyfriend. She feels uncomfortable. Ask her friend Nicole if they can leave. Nicole runs into her ex, talks with him for a little bit. Seems like Carrie lost her patience and decided to just head out on her own. She leaves the party. Nicole, her friend, can't find her. The next day, the family report her missing, and then the following Saturday, they find her body. Such a short time period, a lot of emotions and a lot of questions that we need answers for thank everybody so much for joining us here in the garage we want to know your thoughts and opinions go to truecrimegarage.com and leave a comment on the blog it's always nice to see the blog blow up on a case and there's so much more to get to in this one join us back here in the garage tomorrow same bat time same bat channel
0: and until then be good be kind and don't litter Uh
1: This show was sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you do if you have an extra hour in your day? Do you go for a run? Do you take a nap? Read a book? Listen to an episode of your favorite podcast, True Crime Garage? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot garage. We're proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out betterhelp.com garage today.